you are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we are brought to you guys by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch or what day you watch. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? I, uh, I, I got my coffee. I've got my microphone pointed in the right direction. I've got, <laughs> I've got. It's a long story. I, I am ready to uh, ready to podcast this morning. Are are you, Marcus? You ready? Uh, I think so. I think we've got some uh, some some microphone adjustments, and everything should be good from <laughs> from now on. Uh, ask me about that on Twitter. I'll explain later. Um, all right, Landon. So since the last time we've talked, the the Cowboys game against the Ravens in Week 13. Uh, has been moved only one, only once though. It's only been moved once since we last chatted. Well, the, 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 the first of I don't day. know how many times, right? <laughs> Actually, this is what the, the this is the second time at it's least, been moved, at right? Least, total, yeah, to- at least the second time it's moved, and, and I mean I don't know how many of Baltimore's games total have been moved. Oh, I mean, gosh, almost all Baltimore. of them. It feels like. Yeah, so the Cowboys went from playing a Thursday game against Baltimore, which would have happened in two days, to playing a Monday afternoon game against Baltimore. Now they'll play a Tuesday night game uh, against the Ravens. Um, <laughs> just it's a COVID season, man. Uh-huh. It's just absolutely crazy. Uh, what are your thoughts of the Cowboys moving that game from Monday to Tuesday? You know, my thoughts are, are, are larger than Cowboy thoughts, <laughs> right there. It's, yeah. it's, this is ridiculous. Like this is so absurd that uh, the the amount of adjustments that are being made because you know teams can't follow some these protocols, and, and it just kind of points to. I mean, I hate to be like this, but it just kind of points to the absurdity of the season. Frankly, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, like this, like for us to continue, and I've been saying this since the beginning, for us to continue to pretend like this is a normal or regular season is just ridiculous. When now we're playing a Wednesday game because of uh, a you know the, the all the have rescheduling that's having to be done in order to make sure that the teams that are the playoff contenders can get uh, you know healthy and 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 make sure they play all their games because at this point it feels like it's pretty clear that's all the NFL cares about, you know, and about making sure the schedule gets played and that the playoff contenders get it all the way into uh, the playoff uh, you know, tournament. And that, 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 you know, th- as long as they get their games going, uh, that's, that's, that's the bottom line for them. So can I, can I say something really quickly? I want, I want to explain to the listeners out there why there's a difference here between the Ravens and the Broncos, please. because yeah. I think a lot of people aren't, understanding why the league is bending over backwards for Baltimore, but not for the, uh, for the, for the Broncos. So the Broncos actually didn't have anybody that tested 
positive. I don't believe on their team. It happened to just be a case where all four three of their quarterbacks weren't wearing masks, and they there was somebody in the building that had COVID, so they were determined to be close contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Ravens, it's an outbreak, right? I think they said they've had nine straight days of a player testing positive. Uh, so I think they're deathly afraid of, um, you know, going into a game and having somebody play who has, you know, the coronavirus and giving it to another team and potentially spreading it. I think I think that's the difference, right? There wasn't an outbreak in Denver, but there was in Baltimore. Yeah, and I think that's it, – it, it may not seem like a huge difference to the layperson who's not paying attention, but it's a pretty big – it's a pretty big difference uh, considering, you know, the, the – uh, the severity of, 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 Oh, let's just make, let's be extra cautious with these quarterbacks. And, uh, Oh, Baltimore had a full on outbreak and it is still going on. And, and there are multiple players who have tested positive and it well, seems to be spreading. You know, it's like, look what happened to Lamar Jackson, right? He tested negative on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, the day before that game was supposed to be played. So theoretically he would have been cleared to play. On Thanksgiving night, he tested positive. Mm-hmm. Now, if that game would have been playing, you know, Lamar Jackson's touching the ball on every single play. He's around how many different players. Uh, that's what they're trying to avoid is having an outbreak like that on a guy that maybe was around too many guys that had COVID or, or something like that. Yeah. It, it, the bottom line here is that, you know, it's it's hard not to look at this season as it goes on and on without a big asterisk next to it. You know, it's it's just there's just been too many abnormal things going on uh, and too many, uh, uh, you know, uh, not not I don't want to say unfair because it's, you know, the virus doesn't care about fair. But it's you know, it's just yeah, like it's fair. it's a it's a extra level of of preparation that had to be done it removed uh, several levels of normal preparation in the season uh it just it's hard it's just getting more and more to feel like that the the league is doing whatever it can to just get through the season and finish it fairness be be damned you know uh, so we're going to get to our all 22 breakdowns from the Cowboys game against Washington on Thanksgiving. Um, but before we do that, Lane, and we've got like just a minute here before we take a break. Do you want to say anything about the Eagles game last night against the Seahawks? It just, I mean, if nothing else, I don't want this season to be considered an asterisk, uh, you know, season just because of the Eagles. It's so much fun. I mean, I, I just <laughs> watching Carson Wentz throw the football. It's just shocking. Like, it's just shocking. Like, he, he just doesn't. There was one throw. I, I think it was the interception that he threw that on the. Uh, was it the fourth down play? Yeah, it was the fourth down yeah. play. Did you see where his front foot was pointed? No, I didn't even look. Uh, like, look, I am not a quarterback guru by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm pretty sure your front foot is supposed to be pointing uh, uh, towards the the direction that you're throwing the football. Yeah, towards the receiver. Yeah, yep. it was at the sideline. And uh, so I, you know, he and he just he just does. He's all sorts of broken. Yeah, right now. his 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 mechanics right now, uh, it, it all just looks bad. And um, I, honestly, I also think that you know, Peterson is not uh, exactly mm. putting them in the best situations to win. You know, by first of all, by putting Carson Wentz out there continually, um, but secondly, you know, I think just by continuing to kind of. Be Doug Peterson. Be Doug I think, Peterson we, I think we had to know who he yeah, is, right? Yeah, like we get into rug plays that, that aren't working with the with the group of yeah. players that are out there. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot to hate about this season, but uh, watching the Eagles that's a good struggle thing. Uh, is 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 pretty great. 
I, I do wonder when the Cowboys play Philadelphia later in the season, what quarterback are we going to be facing? Because it sounds like the ownership wants them to go with Jalen Hurts, at least according to Mike Garofolo of NFL Network. Coaching staff is not as sold on uh, Jalen Hurts, so that, that's an interesting, you know, little power struggle to, to watch in Philadelphia. Um, so look, we can find positives in this season, right? Even though yeah. the Cowboys are three and eight, we're finding ways sure. to be positive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break so I can tell you guys about Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than one percent of one percent of one percent of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. All right, I just wanted to remind you guys that our show on Wednesday will be your Twitter questions, so make sure you guys are going ahead and getting those questions into us now. Again, you can send them to us at LockedOnCowboys or to me at Marcus underscore Mosier. Um, We'll be sure to answer as many as we can on Wednesday. But for today's show, Landon, we're going to talk about that game against Washington. This will be our last day talking about uh, that game. I want to go through some of your All-22 notes and let's start with the coverage because I think, you know, after that game, one of the first things that I talked about was I didn't understand why the Cowboys played so much off coverage and why they didn't force Alex Smith to throw the ball down the field. What were your takeaways on how the Cowboys decided to try to stop Alex Smith in this game? Well, it seems like it wasn't, you know, I was thinking that it was going to be a lot more consistent, that it was going to be like a lot of just that I was going to go in there and see a lot of off coverage just because that's what it felt like right it felt like that's what the the majority of it, it this it did seem like just going back and watching that they they were mixing it up uh, a little bit but I, I just felt like it was still i overall too much off coverage for you know considering who they're playing you know and and again to me that screams more like this is a function of what we think our players can do against the the, the matchups they have more sure. than being confident enough to try to play to a way that's disadvantaged uh, that would put the quarterback in a disadvantaged position, right? Do you think it was just Dallas didn't trust their corners at all? I I, I don't know if it's trust, but I think it, it has. It, it is about the fact that they didn't uh, they didn't feel that they, they could you know consistently you know play press man coverage against McLaurin for sure, and then I think others too because it wasn't just McLaurin that was getting um, off off coverage you know they 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 were kind of alternating uh uh you know by snap and by side of the field where they were you know i was trying to find some kind of discernible pattern but i I don't think that there was one necessarily Mm -hmm. i I think it was more about you know what the what the call was and what that quarter cornerback felt like they had to where they had to position themselves in order to execute what the play call was right like i i think that you know you saw you saw uh, uh coverages where they had both corners, you know, off the line of scrimmage seven to eight yards, but the safeties were inside of 10 yards, right? So, like, yeah. almost like they were not afraid of, uh, of you know, getting beat deep that badly because they, they put all their safeties inside the box, essentially. But they, but they needed to give, you know, the receivers enough runway to run to them. And, and, and like, they were expecting the, the pass rush to get home in time to kind of, you know, 
deter them from throwing the ball deep. It just felt like more and more that they were just trying to do uh, uh, they were trying to to, to call uh, defensive uh, calls that were uh, favorable to the, the 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 players they had in the field. You know, favorable to the personnel that they were deploying, uh, and not as much concerned about you know who Alex Smith is as a quarterback and, and the way that you know he likes to throw the ball. They they really just seemed to be playing it kind of straight. It, it seemed like and, and and really if any kind of. Uh, uh, you know, adjustment was made based on uh, uh, the team that they were playing. It was probably more about what was happening uh, in alignment on the defensive line as opposed to the coverage, which, you know, I guess in some ways, uh, you know, from a 10,000 foot view would be surprising. But I also think that, you know, the Cowboys and their cornerback position, again, especially last week, they're just playing whoever they can. Like they're mm-hmm. they're playing the last few guys at the end of their bench that have uniforms on, and they may have even tried to sneak a couple of coaches out there in, in, in uniforms, <laughs> as far as I know. So, I yeah, I think uh, I think if really the thing that was dictate, you know, normally I would say that the thing that kind of dictates coverages and 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 and. Uh, scheme, defensive schemes is the, the opponent you're, you're facing, the, the the down and distance situation, you know, and, and and you know, calls based on formation that you think you know are common plays that the other team may run based on tendency, right? It, it felt like yeah. it felt like yep. this game, the coverages, they were calling them based on what they thought they were going to get the best success rate from the the guys that they had pushed out on the field. You know, I, I was thinking about this game when I was watching the All-22. I was I was thinking back to the soft season when you and I were talking about the, the Cowboys' cornerback depth, right? We knew it wasn't going to be a top-heavy group, but we thought one through four, one through five would be really solid, right? You'd have Awuzier, Anthony Brown, Diggs, Jordan Lewis, even though it was Maurice Kennedy at the time. We even liked some of the down-the-roster you know, guys quite a bit, but... In this game, the Cowboys had Rashard Robinson, not Reggie's not Reggie, Reggie Robinson, Robinson. but <laughs> Rashard Robinson and Deontay Burton played sixty-three snaps at cornerback for the Cowboys in this game. Yeah. It's been it's been one of those years. It's it's not surprising they had so much trouble covering uh the Washington football team receivers. And real quick, you know, it's it's kind of a great microcosm for a lot of the talk that I'm seeing on Twitter in general, which seems unreasonable, and that's you know, kind of blaming the coaching staff for some of this stuff. And, you know, look, I, I get it. Like, I, you know, uh, there's some calls that I disagree with, some things that obviously that were not great. But, but like, again, look at who's on the field. The, the, yeah. You know, the, there, is a, there is a reason that the, the Jimmy and Joe's, uh, uh, you know, meme exists, you know, whatever you want to call right. it. The, the, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's, not the X's and O's. There's a reason that saying exists. There's only so much you can do as a coach, even a creative, you know, a genius can do as a coach to, to, uh, uh, to boost players that are, you know, severely out talented by their opponents, you know? And so right. I, right. I think the Cowboys kind of, Th- that was their defensive philosophy. What's the what's what's the scheme? What's the coverage that we can deploy that will put us in the least um, disadvantageous position against this offense? Absolutely. Uh, let's transition to the defensive line, and I think they've had similar issues, right? You know, going into the year, we thought Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe would be your starting defensive tackles. 
Antoine Woods and Tristan Hill and Tyron Crawford would rotate in there. Uh, but the Cowboys had, <laughs> listen to this, Neville Gallimore, Eli, I don't even know how we say it, Eli's last name, Enku? Yeah. Enku, I think so. And Justin Hamilton played 89 snaps in this game. Hamilton and Enku weren't even on the roster to, to start the season. So you're having a lot of problems there. And let's talk about Tyrone Crawford, who you were hoping to be a solid rotational guy. Only played 16 snaps in this game. Uh, and I don't think he was very good in the 16 snaps he played. What do you think, Landon? I actually disagree. I, I, okay, I, I, interesting. I, I think that Tyrone Crawford the last few weeks has played pretty decently. Um, but the problem is is that it's it's he's a role. I wouldn't say Minnesota. He did play really yeah. well against Minnesota. He, I think, I think against expectations. Maybe I should say that yeah. because the problem is, is that we kind of have written Tyrone Crawford off early in the season, and frankly, because of his play, not not really any other reason. I think he has found a a, a, a spot as a rotational defensive tackle, a, a, a situational defensive tackle that he's playing, you know, pretty decently in. Uh, but the problem is, is you know, he's. I, I think that there is a cap on how many snaps he's good for. You know, I think that's that that's the issue is that he's, you know, he's the reason they're only playing him 16 or 17 snaps is that that's probably all the value you're going to get out of him, you know? And, you know, obviously for the money that he's being paid, that that's not good news at all. And, and I, I don't expect that he will be uh, returning next year necessarily or certainly. I, I got a prediction. I think he's going to end up in Las Vegas. Yeah. That doesn't, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but I, I, I think that, you know, if you, uh, it, it, the defensive tackle position is, you know, it went back down the drain this week as opposed to the mm-hmm. previous two weeks. Uh, I, I think that, you know, a lot of what you're talking about is the reason the guy, you know, Justin Hamilton and, uh, you know, number 95. I, I don't know what it's his like. Eli. Yeah, Eli, Eli. Uh, both of whom played pretty bad. You know, I mean, well, Eli, I mean, Eli it's especially. Not, it's not their fault either, no, right? They, they shouldn't be on the field. No, absolutely not. And it's, I, I think that, you know, the reliance on Neville Gallimore having those kind of games that he had like, the two weeks previous uh, for the rest of the season is, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm glad that that's not, we're not in a real contender situation. And, and that's what we were relying on because that would be like holding your breath each week. It just, yeah. it feels like the, the defensive tackle is living and dying on whether Neville Gallimore is playing well that week. And, you know, he's a rookie defensive tackle. So it's a real roller coaster there. So I, I, I and it's not like he's really getting a ton of help right next no. to him either. Right. If you had a dominating one technique that could occupy double teams, Okay, that's different. If he's losing every one-on-one matchup, but that's not necessarily the case either. Yeah, there's not really anybody who's doing well against double teams except for maybe Woods, and and he's not exactly you know lighting no. the world on fire with them. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess the the issue is that you see a guy like Tyrone Crawford, and he's and I think he's playing pretty well at times, but I think that clearly that has been a result from you know, his snaps being cut in half, right? Like, I mean, that, that I think limited exposure is really helping him get in there and give good snaps, but that doesn't really help your, your defensive tackle position overall that much. If you're only playing like, you know, less than a third of the snaps in the game. Right. And I, this is what I would say about Tyrone Crawford. I thought he was, 
he was fine as a pass rusher. I don't think it was anything that was fantastic. My problems are with him against the run, yeah. right? He just and, He's just not an inside run defender, and that's when he gets really exposed. And that's why they can't play and him it, a lot, you know? That's, it's because they can't, they can't trust him to put correct. him out there in situations where they feel like it's, it's a, a, a pass or, or run situation. They kind of have to put him out there as a pass rusher who is, you know, he's really good on stunts and twists and, and sure. freeing yep. up guys and, and, and working in combination with guys like that. I think that's where his his skill set still evolves. But you're right, like, he can't be trusted in the run, which means that you can't, you know, there's only about 16 snaps worth of plays that he's, that you can, you know, put him out there and feel confident. Well, you saw what the Cowboys' plan was early this offseason, right? They were going to have Gerald McCoy be that every down snap yep. guy, and then they could bring in Tyrone Crawford to give him some break as a, you know, interior pass rusher. Yep. But when McCoy went down and then especially when Tristan Hill went down, yep. they just they just didn't have the guys. They didn't have the guys to, to run the correct rotation and it's it's cost their defense in so many different ways. Um, we're going to get to the offense in just a second, but I wanted to tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. It's real chocolate with amazing flavors and a great combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar with no crazy additives. Best of all, they taste fantastic, and they are releasing six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and apple almond crisp. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off any order. Again, that is BuiltBar.com. All right, Landon, let's talk about the offense and let's start with Andy Dalton. Um, What were your takeaways when you watched Andy Dalton from the All-22 perspective? Yeah, I I felt like he was... You know, he pretty typical Dalton. You know, just competent. I, yeah, competent. Uh, you know, struggled when when there was pressure right in his face or around him. Which I mean, that I think really was the ultimate issue is that there was tons of it, um, and and really it felt like he only felt comfortable getting to his second and third read uh, in snaps where he was in max protect. You know, like, can't blame him. You know, where where basically he they had two tight ends in there also blocking, uh, and only like two or three guys in route, uh, and, and he was able to kind of just have enough time to kind of get around to where they needed to to to, to see who was open, you know, and 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 then, you know, outside of that, he was having some success, especially early with the quick passing game, right? Like the three step and five steps dropped, mm-hmm. getting the ball out of his hand. Uh, you know, there were some throws that were off that, that uh, guys like Gallup and Cooper were able to kind of rein in. Um, but I think that, you know, those combinations were, were the only things that were significantly working regularly is when they were able to uh, uh, get the quick passing game open and, and the receivers were able to get open early or uh, in, in, you know, the kind of late developing plays when they had Max Protect going and it bought them enough time to uh, for, for Dalton to either get through his reads or for the longer developing uh, routes to get open down the field uh, and, and let Dalton deliver the ball down there. Uh, outside of that, you know, I, you saw a little bit of, uh, of, you know, kind of some more of that athleticism that we've seen from him at different points. But I, I just think that, you know, there there was a reason that, they were trying trick plays. There was a reason that they were uh, they tried a fake punt, you know, because if you watch the progression of the game, and you know, you see how things went uh, once Martin uh, goes down, and uh, you you see 
you know, the 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 uh, I guess the development, well, not the development, but how the the evolution of the matchups were happening throughout the game as it was getting worse and worse and worse, and mm-hmm. and, and and the the dam was starting to break for the Cowboys uh, by the end of the third quarter, right? Like they they basically uh, were were you know if, if Dalton was getting the ball out, he was still getting hit pretty regularly. Um, so I I can understand you know it being a four point game. Uh, losing your grip on being able to kind of handle the back and forth with a team that, I mean, again, people can complain yeah. about it, but Washington was the more talented team on the field um, on Sunday so or on Thursday. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's where a lot of, I think Cowboys fans are having a disconnect is they don't understand that, look, that the team that the Cowboys put on the field really had no business playing against that, that Washington defense, especially, right? Like that, that de- I, I think I think when people – here's what I think is happening, Landon. I think people are looking at the Cowboys receivers and they're seeing Amari yeah, Cooper, exactly. Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb, and they're, and they're looking at Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith on defense and just assuming this is still a really talented team, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's it's the problem. Not the case. Yeah, is that is that you know y- y- those guys are really talented. That talent can shine through with with you know average NFL starters the position, but you've got you know I don't know 17, <laughs> 16 plus starters on both sides of the ball that are at less than than average starter yeah, know, quality, right? Like at yep. least, and so and so you know this it, it catches up to you. And, and again, it's a matchup league. It's not even just the, the 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 raw you know talent numbers you know of of if there was a numerical value of the talent for the Cowboys and, and the Washington team you know that that's that doesn't tell the tale it's where the talent mismatches are where where the the disparity between the 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 talent is in the matchups and I think that's right you know the Cowboys right. were st- at the worst at their offensive line and that's where Washington thrives right is that they have one of the best defensive lines in football so you know I think that that's that is where the the disparity was really rearing its ugly head, and and frankly, uh, it, it, it existed on the other side of the ball too. I mean, the, yeah. the Washington was dominating both lines of scrimmage, uh, and so I, I feel like at the end of the game, the Cowboys felt desperate that they had to try trickery, you know, to kind of just find a way to get points. We're going to talk about the offensive line in just a second, but I, one real quick question, Landon, based off what you've seen from Andy Dalton so far. Would you be open to bringing him back next year at a similar salary, or are you good just to to move on? I mean, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I I I'd like to see what I'd like to see more of Garrett Gilbert. You know, right. kind of thinking the same. So, Andy Dalton right now, according to Pro Football Focus, is the thirty first graded quarterback in the NFL. Which actually, that's not too bad for a backup, no. right? I mean, he's he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL, and that's why you signed him. But is he that much better than Garrett Gilbert? I don't know. I don't know. Right? Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, it's Andy Dalton's number is not all. I mean, his his backup quarterback number is not all that high, you know, for a salary. It's actually it was a pretty good deal the Cowboys got. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, it's it might be up to him, right? Yeah. Like, does he just want to come back and stay in the in the Texas area? Or does he want to go somewhere where he has a legit chance to start? Yeah, I don't have an issue with Dalton. Again, like I think in the in the context of what you would hope it would be the normal you know his normal job which would be to if something happened to Dak for that game he could come in and, and finish the game for you like he did against the Giants yeah I feel I feel confident in that situation but you know I don't I don't feel confident with anybody 
more than three games outside of Dak Prescott. Especially when you have to try to make up for a bad defense yeah. and a bad offensive yeah. line. It's just too much it's too, you're asking from Andy Dalton. It's too, too steep a hill to climb. I agree. Um, last thing, and we only have a minute or two left, and I know it's not fair to do this to the offensive line, uh, but how did you think they played in this game? Because once Zach Martin went down, it, it, it got pretty rough. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's just it's it's a struggle for these guys. And, and again, a lot of it's the matchup. A lot of it is that Washington has an incredible defensive line full of you know absolutely first rounders and first overall pick type players, and you know all of the all of that. Um, so I, I think it was a tough matchup for the Cowboys, obviously. Um, and they struggled all across the board, you know. And I, I, I think one of the guys that we're uh, really missing here is Tyler Biotish, to be honest. I think Joe mm, Looney mm-hmm. uh, has been good but not great. Uh, and, you know, considering you expected – you needed some kind of veteran presence there, you thought that he would be helpful there, but he struggled just as much as everybody else. Um, I, you know, I think Connor McGovern showed showed some good things. You know, I, I'm excited about his development. Um, I think Connor Williams is holding on for his life, uh, which you know, again, is, it was it was the worst game I've seen from Connor Williams. It's also season. a terrible matchup for him. You know, it's it's yeah. it's again like all these guys. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the real issue is that you know the Cowboys can no longer isolate their their pass protection issues to either the outside where they can you know send a tight end or a running back. Uh, or inside where they can help with the running back up front. It's it's everywhere, you know. So uh, the, you know, even with Max Protect, they're still going to be a one on one somewhere. And and if they're facing a defensive line like Washington's, uh, you know, the Cowboys are likely to give up a lot of pressure, and and that's just no good for Andy Dalton. Didn't think Terrence Steele was all that awful no, this game, by the way. I actually think this might have been his best game. Didn't give up a sack. He was he was okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I, – I actually don't think he was their worst offensive lineman on Thursday, which that's kind of crazy to say considering how bad he's been this season. But maybe, just maybe, he's getting a little bit better with, with some more snaps. So, you hope. Uh, I, we're going to see a bunch of them over the next five weeks. So uh, let's get ready to ride that Terrence Steele roller coaster. So – that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, as always, you can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.